A reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning with the 29th verse. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Verse 38 of today's text has Jesus saying, Let us go to the neighboring towns so that we may proclaim the message there also. For that's why I came, He said. His purpose of going out into that region was to proclaim that the kingdom of God had come near and that it had come near in Him. To say that the kingdom of God was present in the people's midst. That was Jesus' primary project as He taught, as He preached, as He healed, and as He walked His way toward the cross. Everything that He did was meant to proclaim that the kingdom of God was here in Him. The healings that Jesus did were signs of His authority to proclaim that the kingdom of God had come and that it had become in Himself. The healing of Simon's mother-in-law is a sign that God's kingdom was there in that room. When Jesus takes her by the hand and lifts her up, it's an illustration to us of things being made new, of things being made right. We have to pay attention to it. It's a sign of being made new in Christ, or as the Apostle Paul put it to all of us who are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old has come, the, the old is gone, the new has come. That being in Christ makes us a new life. It restores us to what God intends us to be. These, this healing and the kingdom of God being present in that room pushes us to ask a hard question of ourselves: What way do we need healing? In what way do we need Jesus to reach down and take our hand and lift us up? Where, where is Christ at work healing us? Our greatest need for healing is forgiveness of sin. 
and the healing of our hearts so that they will long for the things of God instead of the things of this world. So that our hearts will long for righteousness and, righteousness and holiness. For some reason I just can't talk today. So that our hearts will long for holiness instead of the things that this world calls us to long for. That truth was demonstrated when some friends took a man and lowered him into a roof, as I told the children. And Jesus looked at a man who was paralyzed in every way he could be paralyzed and said, your sins are forgiven, not get up and walk. But your sins are forgiven. In that moment, Jesus affirmed that for all of us, for every last one of us, the greatest single need we have is to know that our sins are forgiven and that God accepts us. There is nothing more important. I'm sure that the paralyzed man thought that walking was more important, but Jesus knew better. In what way do we need that kind of healing? In what way do we need God's power in our lives, not only to forgive us, but to help us to forgive someone who we believe has wronged us? Nothing in this world will paralyze you like a grudge. It will make you a worthless human being. Christ knew that our greatest need for healing is to be forgiven and to be able to forgive others. And when he reaches down and takes Simon Peter's mother-in-law by the hand, it's an invitation for us to ask, how do we need Jesus to lift us up? In what way do we need healing? How do we need Jesus to come and lift us out of our misery? And that's a hard question. Because it requires hard answers. It requires us to be honest about who and what we are. It requires us to be honest about those parts of us that we don't want anybody else to know about. It requires us to be honest about sin. It requires us to be honest about the things that we want that we know aren't good for us. The things that we want that we know God does not want for us. And it's a hard question. What do we need from Christ? Reader's Digest published a web, web article about the world's 25 toughest questions and they gave answers for them. Isn't that good news? One of the questions, the fourth toughest question on the list which appealed to me, why does summer zoom by and winter drag on forever? Right? Isn't that a great question? Just when we get a glimpse of spring, it'll be 66 degrees today. It'll be 12 Tuesday probably. Five inches of snow on the ground and we'll all be freezing to death and wondering why there's no bread at the Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> to answer that question... Why does summer zoom by and winter crawl by? They turn to Albert Einstein. Good source, right? They say that Albert Einstein had a theory that context determines our experience. Because context defines experience. Albert Einstein once said, When you're courting a nice girl, an hour seems like a second. When you sit on a red hot coal, a second seems like an hour. The context of things determines how we experience them. Likewise, when we struggle with physical illness, 
with loss of a job, with a friend who does something wicked and evil to us, that's all we can think about. It dominates our life. It becomes the context we live in. Our need for forgiveness becomes the single context that we can't escape. And it defines our whole experience. When we will not forgive others, we enter into a context of misery. We become a walking grudge. Thinking that way, it seems plain to me that our greatest need is to be removed from a context of needing forgiveness and to be relocated to a context of being forgiven. Question number 23 on that list of toughest questions was why is it so hard to admit we're wrong? You ever wondered that? Who here likes to say you're wrong? Anybody? Anybody brave enough to admit that? None of y'all have ever been wrong, have you? I can tell. They say it's hard to admit we're wrong because it requires us to say we're sorry. They say that throughout human history, we've been more likely to drop bombs on people than apologize to people. We've been more likely to hit, to slap, to slander, to lie, than to say we're sorry. The greatest obstacle to the greatest healing that we need, the greatest obstacle to the greatest lifting up we need, is that sometimes we just cannot admit either to ourselves, to someone else, or to God that something we've done is wrong. Because we wanted to do it. Or we can't give forgiveness because we're determined that we're right to be hard-hearted, that, doggone it, they're going to come to me and apologize before I forgive. We need healing from those kinds of things, dear one. When Jesus took Peter's mother-in-law's hand and lifted her up, he was lifting her out of a quagmire of misery. What misery do we need to be lifted out of? It's a hard question because it forces us to examine ourselves in ways that we don't like to think. To think that we're not perfect. And that we don't have everything together. Have you ever been struggling and had somebody come up, to say and say, come up to you and say, are you okay? And then you just fall apart and cry. Anybody? Happens, doesn't it? Because most of the time we know that we struggle. We know that we have hurts that we can't explain. We know that we have things that we can't bear on our own. But for whatever reason, we just won't admit it. And it leaves us trapped. What if Peter's mother-in-law had seen Jesus reach down for her and she said, No, Jesus, I got this. Seems to be modern Christianity's plan, doesn't it? No, Jesus, I'll work it out. No, I'll forgive them in my time, Lord. Give me some time. I don't remember seeing that in the Lord's Prayer. All I remember seeing as you forgive, you will be forgiven. Last Sunday morning, for me, was a little bit like that thing of having somebody walk up to you and say, are you okay, and and you just fall apart. I spent three and a half hours last Saturday night around a campfire with people who are young enough to do that. (laughs) Well, 
All but three of them. Ozark was pretty tired, I think, weren't you, Ozzy? But Jennifer, Ozark, myself, Travis, Sean, Shane, Brooke, Caitlin, Leanne, Linda Rose, Sarah, Bobby, Brandon, Ryan, and Austin. We all sat around a campfire and talked for three hours. And I was awash in emotion that night listening to them. Hearing them speak about their struggles and the way that Christ has been active in their lives. Do you hear that church? Young people talking about how they can see Christ at work in their lives and the things that they just can't handle themselves. Helping them forgive people that they just can't forgive on their own. And I was overwhelmed. I could hear in our voices there and in the things that we shared that we all were in need and we all had a desire for healing. We talked about struggling to live lives worthy of the calling that Christ has given us. We spoke of the ways that we disappoint ourselves, that we disappoint others, and even when we disappoint God. And we spoke of the goodness and faithfulness of Christ. It was a pretty incredible experience. And what was even more incredible is that when we got up Sunday morning, we were reminded that despite our imperfections, despite all the ways that we needed to be forgiven and needed to forgive, God was inviting us into God's presence and love. In spite of the fact that we didn't deserve it, God was calling us to worship, to come and join with others around the cup of thanksgiving, to celebrate salvation and the opportunity and the power that Christ gives us to forgive others of things that we just shouldn't be able to forgive them for. And to forgive ourselves. It was a pretty awesome thing to watch young people be honest about needing to forgive themselves. So we get up and we go to church. And that pesky Jesus showed up. Right there in worship. And I watched thousands of young people Sing and praise our Lord and give thanks to God for being willing to live and love. And I watched our young people listen to our bishop as he talked about the ways that we failed God and God has been thankful and and where God has been faithful to us. And I listened to the bishop recount those things that God has done for us the same way that we do it when we have communion here. And I watched all the eyes of those young people as they were fixed on the bishop. And especially our young people who had the night before admitted all those ways that they had let God down but remembered that God would never let us down. And I was deeply moved and thankful for them. I was thankful to be their pastor, to be the pastor of young people who would be honest enough to say, I need Christ. I thought about the way that they had encouraged one another and lifted one another up, and I realized that what I had watched the night before was them reenacting what Jesus did as they took each other by the hand and lifted each other up. Right, young people? Isn't that what we were doing? And I got to see them be Christ to each other. And I thought about that Sunday morning as the bishop was leading us. And to be quite honest with you, I just cried. 
Because it was beautiful. It was absolutely stunningly beautiful. I got to watch them be Christ to each other. As if I was watching Jesus take Simon Peter's mother-in-law by the hand. And as the bishop led us in the sacrament, I was made deeply aware of how thankful I was to be there. To be their pastor and to have the opportunity to be made one with them because they have great faith. I was thankful for having been part of a deeply holy three and a half hours of witnessing to the healing that Christ offers us. I was grateful to be there with them, worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ who tells to take all of us by the hand and lift all of us up, who wants to heal us and make us one with Him and one with each other so that we can serve the world together and call others into that place of deepest need of having our sins forgiven and having a life with Christ. And I got to watch thousands of young people participate in that love. And I can tell you today, church, that those who say that the church is dying are wrong. Christ is waking the hearts of young people. And church, I thank you for sending our young people to be witnesses to me. And as I read this story of of Jesus reaching down and taking that woman by the hand, my mind and heart were still filled with the thankfulness that I felt last weekend. And what I realized is that all of us need those kind of honest moments where other disciples speak to us words of hope and encouragement as we share with them our struggles. We can do that for one another. We can be Christ to someone and take them by the hand and lift them up and invite them into the healing that we've experienced. In what way do we most need healing? What sin do we need forgiveness for? What grudge do we need to let go of? What fever is dominating our life and keeping us on the floor? How do we need Christ to heal us? The only thing that will get us there is honesty and being willing to admit that we need healing. And to have others be willing to call us to it. Did you notice that as soon as Jesus walked in the door, they showed him where she was and told him about her? We need people who are willing to pray for us and call us out and tell us to let go of grudges and sins that are keeping us down. 
We need to be that people for each other. And what you should know is that your youth are willing to be those people for each other, so there's no reason that the rest of us can't. I was told by one parent, the parent said, Mama, we talked about some awful, awesome stuff, but I can't tell you about it. If our young people can listen to each other and keep their sins in confidence, their shortcomings in confidence, why can't the rest of us do that? Why can't we live according to Christ's law and bear each other's burdens and lift each other up? That's what our Lord did for Peter's mother-in-law. It's what He'll do for us today, dear ones. But it requires that hard question. Where do I need healing? It requires being honest with ourselves. I invite you, dear ones, today as we sing our final hymn, And as you listen to the things that your young people are going to come share with you, ask yourself, where do I need Christ's healing? And as we sing that final hymn, if you would like to come and pray, come. Kneel at this altar and ask Christ to heal you.